Brother Matt Johnson has been a friend of mine. I remember him when he first went, when he was going on deputation, just like Brother Jonathan and uh, Sister Jacqueline are first-time missionaries going out and raising support. I remember Brother Matt when he was a young preacher, and uh, he's been in Mexico for 22 years. My wife and I have been, uh, I've been down there twice and actually saw his work, and he's got a tremendous, tremendous work of God there in Tula, Mexico. They branched out and started another church. Uh, his wife, Sister Anetta, his daughter, Michaela, have just been faithful servants of God. Sure do love and appreciate them. Brother Matt, you come and preach. Amen. Well, what a blessing it's been this week to be here with you. And it's it's always incredible to see how quick uh, the time goes by. And uh, pray that the Lord will continue to use you as a church. We thank you for your, for your prayers, your support, uh, not only in our lives, but in our ministry. And uh, just uh, pray that the Lord will continue to use uh, each and every one of you in a special way. We thank you for your hospitality this week, the many uh, acts of kindness, the meals and different things. Thank you so much, church. And uh, I hope you're not tired of Ruth yet this morning. Um, uh, we'll go back to the book of Ruth and going to kind of jump around. We're actually going to go back to the beginning of the story. And um, maybe we'll maybe we'll change directions tonight. But Ruth chapter one, and uh, read a couple verses, and then we'll jump down. Read a couple verses towards the end, uh, just to kind of get the the direction for the message this morning. Ruth chapter one. If you'll stand with me, if you're able this morning, just for a moment, read just a couple verses. The Bible says Ruth chapter one verse one. Now it came to pass. In the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. The name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephratites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. Jump, if you would, down to verse 19. So they two went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass that when they were come to Bethlehem, that all the city was moved about them, and they said, Is this Naomi? She said unto them, Call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. Let's pray if you would. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come before you today, I pray that you would bless your word. Thank you for your people that have gathered together in your house. I pray that you'd use me as your servant, that you would be honored and glorified. And Lord, as the church comes together, and not only to hear your word, but Lord, uh, we pray that you would move in hearts, that you would show us each and every one exactly what you would have them to do for faith promise. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we preach Christ, Lord, that we would take this gospel, the message, to a lost and dying world. Lord, bless all that's done and said here this morning. We ask this in your name, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want you to notice something there in verse 21. The Bible says, I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. You notice two words there, full and empty. I think most of us can kind of relate to that and 
And if you got in a, in your car, you know, we hope that the gauge is on full and not on empty. But But the thought this morning is, are you living life by broken gauges? Naomi comes back after 10 years in, in Moab, and she says, I, I went out full, and the Lord brought me back empty. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of frustrating if you try to live life by broken gauges. I don't know if you've ever had a vehicle that the, uh, the gas gauge didn't quite work right. And, you know, it was always one of those things when you got in, you never knew exactly how much you had. Mom and dad were missionaries in Mexico. They spent 28 years in Monterey. And dad had a Jetta. And uh, that Jetta had been through World War III. I mean, that, that car being in Monterey, it had been wrecked. And it had it had dents and so forth. Well, one of the problems with that Jetta was is that the gauges didn't work. And uh, so anytime anybody had to go do an errand, the last vehicle they wanted to take was dad's Jetta. Because you never knew exactly how much, and you'd have to understand and know my dad to know the situation because in, instead of keeping the car on the top half of the tank, he usually kept it on the bottom half of the tank. And as a, as a young man, when dad would send me to the store or something, he'd say, take the jet and go get this. And, I, and, and the first question would always be, is there enough gas? And uh, dad had it figured out. He knew that you know, if you if you filled the tank up, he had so many miles that he could go on that tank. The problem is, is nobody ever knew the mileage at which he filled the tank up last and whether that was enough to get downtown and make it back or if you would have to walk to the gas station or or you would have to call and have somebody come help you. But, but you know, I think we all understand the frustration. Maybe Maybe you had a vehicle that... The speedometer didn't work. It just kind of bounced around there as you drove down the road. Not that that makes a difference in Mexico, whether how fast or how slow you're going or not. But, you know, it could make a difference in the States uh, when you pass that trooper on the highway, uh, uh, how fast you're going. But, but you know, uh, life, life is something that it's hard to live if you're trying to live by broken gauges. And, and Naomi here and her family, they, they come back to the land of, uh, of bread. They come back to the land of Bethlehem. And, and she finds out that she had been living life on broken gauges. You know, if we, if we understand, um, they, they left Bethlehem because of a famine. They left because of a famine. And we talk about a famine. Famine is, is a lack thereof, a scarcity of things. But yet after 10 years, she comes back and she says, you know, I left full. And the Lord brought me back empty. You know, that was quite the opposite of what Naomi thought when she left Bethlehem. But, but I want you to think this morning with me. First of all, Naomi and her family, they got focused on the famine rather than God's faithfulness. And as we think about missions this morning, I think that as Christians, we got to be careful that we don't try to live the Christian life by broken gauges. And, and, and as we think about a famine, we think about all the things that we lack, the things that we don't have. And, and, and many times we think, well, man, how can I promise the faith promise missions? I don't have this and I don't have that. And, and we lack so many things. 
And uh, the truth of it is, is they got focused on what they didn't have rather than, in truth, what they did have. You, you know, that, that it says there in verse 1, it says that there was a famine in the land. But notice, if you would, in Ruth chapter 2, notice what the Bible says in verse 20. It says, And Naomi said unto her daughter-in-law, Blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left his kindness to the living and to the dead. You know, you know, Naomi, after 10 years, she, she could understand and realize, blessed be God that he's not left us. You know, I, I, I think, and, and I think how sad this is of Naomi. They, they left Bethlehem longing to have that which they didn't according to their eyesight and their perspective. And I know a famine is a, uh, a lack of food and, and whatnot, or at least a shortness of it. But, but even though the Bible says that there was a famine and that means that food was short, food was scarce, the Bible doesn't say that they were dying of hunger. There was many famines in the Bible. And sure, things may have been tight, but, but Naomi didn't lose anybody in her family in Bethlehem because of hunger. And, and how often we, we, we go through life and, and we have some shortness and we have some lacks and things get tight and so forth and, and we think the solution is to abandon God and go after that which I don't have rather than to thank God for what He's given me. You know, the Bible tells us in Psalms chapter 46 verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very, a very present help in trouble. And the devil will always tell you that there's so much that you don't have and will try to get your eyes off all that God has done for you. You know, even as you fill out your faith promise today, I'm sure the devil will be there to remind you of all that you don't have instead of reminding you of how good God's been to you. Naomi, they take their family they go after all that Moab has to offer for them. You know, I understand and I know that bread and food is something that is vital. It's something that is at the very heart of, of life itself. But I, I think that many times the devil tries to trick us into thinking that there are things in life that are vital when they're really not so vital to our survival. The devil will try to get you to think, well, if you don't have, if you don't get that new phone, you're, you're, you're just, you're not going to be able to make it. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't update your car this next year, you know, you're just probably, you're probably going to be walking to work. And, and the devil wants us to get our eyes on things that we don't have instead of realizing how good God has been to us. And you know, David, the psalmist said in Psalms 37, verse 5, he says, I've been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. You know, she she comes home ten years later, and she realizes after ten years in the land of Moab, after she lost her husband, she lost her two sons. She said, you know, we left we left Bethlehem because we thought we didn't have. But now we realize how much we really did have, and we lost what we had. 
in search of more. I wonder today how many Christians pay the high price of living the Christian life by broken gauges and going after this world and all that this world has to offer instead of understanding what God has freely given us. You know, as we think about faith promise this morning, you know, it's not about what you don't have. Faith promises about what you do have. And the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12, it says, if there first be a willing mind, it is accepted according to the to that a man hath, and not according that he hath not. You know, God never expects you to give what you don't have. But he does expect us to do with what we do have. And it's easy to promise to God what we would do if we had it. And God asks us, what do we have in our hand? Well, you know, if I had a whole lot more, I'd just give a whole lot more to missions. Well, well, how about if we just start with what God has given us? And uh, then as God blesses and God supplies, then you could do more. The Bible tells us in chapter 9, verse 6, it says there, uh, But this I say, he that sp- uh, soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. I wonder this morning, how many Christians are living life by broken gauges? You see, Naomi and her family got focused on the famine rather than than the fullness of God, the faithfulness of God. They focused on what they didn't have rather than what they had. But let me say second of all, Naomi there in Ruth chapter 1, let me say that they got focused on their self rather than sovereignty. Chapter 1, verse 1, if you notice the very last part of of chapter 1, verse 2, the very last part, it says, And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. Notice the words, they came and continued. Um, And then the Bible says in verse 21, it says, I went out full. See, Naomi and her family, they, they focused on, they, they focused on themselves rather than on God. And everything that Naomi and her family did, it says they went and they continued. She comes back and she says, I went out and, uh, they got focused on themselves and what they could do rather than what God could do. And I, and I and I think that many times if we're not careful even in missions that that is something that's so easily done. We get focused on on ourselves, we get focused on our strength, our abilities, our power instead of trusting what God could do. You know Naomi, they they looked at the situation and said, "Well, we just we just can't make it here. I guess we're just going to have to make some decisions and 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 we're just going to have to go to Moab." You know what's interesting is Naomi comes back, she says, I went out. Naomi doesn't say, well, God sent me from Bethlehem to Moab. She doesn't say, well, you know, God just, he, 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 he moved us down to Moab. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't about what God was doing. It was what they did in their own strength. Neither could Naomi say, we went with God's blessings to Moab. It was what they did. You know, we could do a whole lot more with the blessings and the power of God than we can do in our own strength, in our own power. 
And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8, it says, if God be for us, who can be against us? You know, Naomi and her family, they, 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 they looked at things and they tried to live life controlling things in her own power and her own strength. And what they found out was they had gone out full and came back empty. They, they got focused on themselves. And the temptation is always ask God to bless what we're doing instead of doing what God is blessing. And, 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 and I, and I see that so often in the ministry. People come and they say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray that God will bless what I'm doing. And, and, and I have to ask him, can God bless what you're doing? Is that what God wants you to do? Can God bless that? Instead of asking God to bless what you're doing, maybe we should just turn things around and say, God, I want to, I want to be a part of what you're blessing. And, uh, Naomi, they, they come back and, 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 the, and they had lost so much and they lost so much because it was all about themselves. Well, you know, I just, I don't see how God's working here. I think we're just going to have to make our own decisions and, and we're going to have to look out for ourselves because it doesn't seem that God's looking after us like he should. I wonder, is that not the temptation that so many Christians, they fail and they say, well, you know, things have been tight and, and I don't know if God's going to take care of me or not. I think I'll just have to look out for myself. And, and you know, maybe this month I'm not, not going to be able to give my missions because, you know, I don't, I'm not sure God's going to be able to take care of us. How many times we, we begin to live life by those broken gauges. They tried to take care of themselves, and what was the result of it? She lost her husband. She lost her two sons. Yet when she came back, she understood and she realized, Thank God that he's he's been faithful. He's been faithful to the living and to the dead. We made some mistakes. We did things in our own power and our own strength rather than doing things the way God would have us to do that. You know, uh, so often uh, that, that, that mistake of living life in our own power and our strength, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, talking about the churches of Macedonia, it says in verse 2, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. You know, that, that, that just says that it wasn't what they could do. The, the, the secret there is in verse 5, it says that, that they did this not as we hoped, but they gave, they first gave their own selves to the Lord. You know, how, how could they take a situation that was profound poverty and make it abound unto great riches. Wasn't something that they did in their own strength. It was something that God did. You as a church this morning, it's not just about how much you and I can do, but it's when we give ourselves to God and we give to God that which we have and we say, God, this may not be much in my eyes, but Lord, I, I want it to be given to you out of a heart of love. God takes that and he can multiply it far greater than you and I could ever imagine or think. You know, she, she went to Moab looking to be filled with that which the world had to offer. But the sad thing about it is, is she went looking to be filled and she came back emptier than when she left. 
you know, Naomi's not the only one that's done that, and how many Christians are going after the things of this world thinking that that's what's going to satisfy. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, he says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. I wonder what our plans are today. Not just today, but what, what are our plans for life? What are we going to let the, the, the deciding factor be? Is the deciding factor in my life what God wants me to do? Or is the deciding factor in my life what, what I want to do? Let me say last of all that Naomi, they, they got focused on self rather than, than God, but let me say third of all they got focused, she got focused on bitterness rather than blessing. You know, she made some wrong decisions, some wrong mistakes, and when she comes back, the city begins to say, is this not Naomi? And she says, call me not Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. You know, she, she, she got bitter because she got focused on what she lost rather than what she gained. And uh, be careful in the Christian life that we don't begin to look at our losses because sometimes our losses can change our focus and somebody lose something and not be able to even recognize that which they had gained. And uh, she makes mention here in these verses twice about the Almighty, verses 20 and verses 21. As we speak about the Almighty, obviously it is a word that conveys the idea of power and authority. She recognizes God as the Almighty, but sad to say she didn't recognize Him as the Almighty. Ten years before when she left, she didn't see Him as the Almighty that had all power to be able to supply and all power to be able to care for and provide for their family, but now she recognizes Him is the Almighty, yet she's, she's, she's burdened, she's got her eyes focused on bitterness. And I am sure that there's not a person here this morning that there has not been things that have happened in your life that if, if it, if it wasn't for our, our flesh, we could get focused on those things and become bitter. There's been some hurt. There's been some things that, 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 that just, they, they've not been pleasant. Let me say this morning that God's been, God's been so good to us. Be careful as a Christian, you don't get your life focused on the bitterness, but you could focus your life on the blessing. You know, a Christian that lives life, the Christian life, by the bitterness, is a Christian that's going to be an unhappy Christian because they can't see the goodness and how great God has been to us. The Bible tells us here, she says the Almighty. Notice the word she says, she said, The Almighty um, hath dealt bitterly against me. And then, then she says in, in verse 21, I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Notice the words, the Lord hath brought me home. You know, even even there... What a joy it is that she, with her own words, is being able to recognize God's not forgotten about me. He's the one who brought me home again. You know, that ray of hope, she 
She went out full, complete family. She, she discovered that while they had forsaken God, God had never forsaken her. Though that she had left the house of bread and though that she had turned her back on God, that God was still working and God was still dealing in her life. And uh, he had brought her back to her people, to his people. I think a verse in Romans chapter 8, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of God? Paul goes down through the next couple of verses and mentions thing after thing. And he comes down and he says, nothing, for I am persuaded that neither, and he says, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Bitterness will twist your perspective. And uh, things in life normally are never quite as dark as we make them out to be at that time. And she got her eyes. She got her eyes off uh, the goodness of God, and she got her eyes on our bitterness. But if you think about the blessing, notice, notice that God brought her back and God, God brought her back. She says that God brought her back empty, but in all reality, she didn't come home empty. Because remember that Naomi brought someone back with her. She brought back Ruth with her. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, looking at a daughter-in-law, I, I don't know, I can't put myself in the mind of the ladies this morning, but after having lost a husband and two sons, I, I doubt that most ladies look at that daughter-in-law as a, uh, a real blessing from God. But uh, the Lord the Lord didn't bring her back empty. And, and it's interesting. Notice, if you would, in chapter 4. And uh, this is at the end of the story when she she's met Boaz. And, you know, God's worked a great thing. And he's, he's given her a husband and so forth. And uh, given her son, in, in, in fact, it says in verse 14, And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel, and he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nurser of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee, then seven sons hath borne him. You know, the Bible says, Thy daughter-in-law, which is better to thee than seven sons. I don't know. I might go out on a, on, on a limb this morning, but I doubt most ladies look at their daughter-in-law as better than seven sons. Moms are pretty, pretty proud of those sons, aren't they? But let me say, this is not the guy speaking. The Bible says, and the women say unto Naomi. The women of Bethlehem were the ones that told Naomi, the daughter-in-law that God hath given you is better than seven sons. You know, she got focused on her bitterness. And the ladies of the community had to remind her, Naomi, God's been so good to you. He's blessed you far beyond what you can even imagine. But I, I think about Naomi and, boy, it's, it's incredible the damage and the hurt that sin can bring. 
how easy it is to get our eyes as Christians focused on the famine and that which we don't have instead of being focused on God's faithfulness. He's always been faithful. How easy it is to get focused on ourself, what we can do, and it doesn't seem that God's working, so I'm going to have to step in and I'm going to have to start doing things on my own. Boy, that only makes things worse. The result of that, how often it brings us to a bitterness, a hurt. And yet, in the midst of all that bitterness and hurt, we lose sight of the blessing of God. You know, as Christians this morning, as we think about faith promise, want to think one of the things the devil tries to do is he tries to get our eyes on that which we don't have, rather than seeing what God's given us and how we could be a part. Faith promise, I believe that many times we get our eyes focused on, well, what can I do? Rather than understanding it's not about me, it's what I can give to God and what God can do with it. How many times we let problems and we let difficulties keep us from doing what God would have us to do. And God says, if you would just let me take care of it, there are blessings in store that can't even be described. To imagine what the women were telling Naomi, that daughter-in-law is better than seven sons. That's the blessing of God in your life. But let me just finish this morning and let me say that if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me say you're living life by a broken gauge. Because you think you may be all right. You may think that everything's going just fine. But a life without Christ is a life that does not register according to the gauges, according to reality. Maybe you're here this morning as a Christian. Maybe you're here and, and as a Christian, you, you know for sure where you'll spend eternity. But maybe things in life have just kind of got your gauges messed up. And maybe, maybe this morning, as we think about our faith promise, maybe we just need to get our eyes back on God and say, you know, God, there's some things in life that in my flesh I want to think that it's vital that I have to have it, but but maybe I really don't have to have it. Maybe what I need is just for you to take control. Maybe just to put things in your hands and let you do it according to your will. God, maybe I need to get my eyes off some of the bitterness and hurt. Maybe I just need to ask you to open my eyes to your blessings again. And I believe that a church that is obedient to God, a church that is fulfilling the Great Commission, is a church that God blesses. Because God blesses obedience. Do you know the frustration of it, of trying to live life by broken gauges? It's a, it's a, it's a situation to no end of frustration. Let me say, if, a, if as a Christian this morning, if you're trying to live the Christian life according to your flesh and your desires rather than what God would have you to do, the Christian life will be a frustration to no end. I don't know what God would have for you today, but I do know that if you're not saved, the first thing he would have is he would have you to come to him as as your Savior. And I don't know what God would have you to give, but I do know that as a child of God, he would have you to be obedient to follow him 
And a lot of times that's a step of faith. It's called faith promise giving. Boy, God, I just don't quite understand it. But let me just remind you that everything according to our eyes doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's really going on. Naomi left empty, thinking that she was going to get full in Moab. And ten years later, she figured out, been living my life for ten years with broken gauges. Because now I can see the reality. I was full when I went out. And God's brought me home empty. I hope that this morning, you and I don't have to live ten years with broken gauges. I hope that we would be able to adjust our perspective to God and His Word. And we would do what God would have us to do. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come before you. Lord, you know the heart, you know the need of each and every person. If there is one here this morning that is not saved, I pray that today would be that day that they would come to that saving knowledge. Lord, if there be Christians here this morning that have got caught up in life and are living life by broken gauges, Lord, that we'd get our eyes back on you, and Lord, that we would be able to understand truly what you'd have for us. Pray that you bless this church, bless each and every individual. Lord, bless this time of invitation. You know what's needful. We put ourselves in your hands. Bless it. In Jesus' name I pray. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. As the pastor comes, I don't know what your need is today. January in 1992, my daughter Anna was just nine months old. My wife and I and her are traveling from North Carolina to Idaho. That was the year we moved back out there. We're crossing the state of Nebraska. Middle of winter, January, it's cold outside. The U-Haul van that we had rented had a broken gauge. It would show a quarter of a tank when it was empty. Going across the state of Nebraska, there's not a fueling station at every exit. In one particular stretch of the road, I pushed it just a little bit too far. We ran out of gas. Fortunately, within eyesight, there was a gas station. It was a pretty good walk there, and I left my wife and daughter there in the U-Haul, and I walked to see if I could get some diesel fuel and bring it back. Got there to the gas station. They had no container that I could use. I didn't know what I was going to do. I looked up, and there my wife's driving the U-Haul and pulls it into the gas station. I said, how did you get that to crank? You know what she did? She prayed. She prayed. I couldn't get it to start, but through prayer, she did. Now, that wouldn't have been a horrible tragedy to be broke down or out of gas just within half a mile, quarter of a mile of a fueling station, but still in the middle of winter, I think, what if that would have happened just five miles back down the road? That could have been could have gotten pretty interesting. The bottom line is I thought that I could go a little further. I thought I could wait a little bit longer, and I risked it. 
and it was almost a disaster. I wonder how many of you sitting here today that you think that your life, maybe you know your life's not full, but you think you've got a little bit more in the tank and you can just put off God just a little bit longer. Everything's going to be okay. Only to find out one day, maybe in the very near future, that you're living your life on a broken gauge and you're going to run out of gas thinking that you're okay, but you're dangerously running on fumes. If you're not saved, oh, please don't delay. Don't get stranded in life because of a broken gauge. As a child of God, if you're saved, don't look at what you don't have. Don't look at what you've lost. Don't even look at the past. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I'd like to encourage you to look to the blessings of God. God may put you through a rough stretch. God may put you through some times of loss, but you don't have to be bitter. Because Romans 8.28 is still in the book, and he's only trying to work together some things for good in your life if you'll just trust Him. I'd like to open up this altar. If God spoke to your heart here this morning, if you'd like to be saved, why don't you just stand up, slip out into the aisle, walk down here, let one of these men, we've got ladies that are prepared that can open up the Word of God and show you how that you can accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. No one looking, every head bowed, every eyes closed. Would you like to come forward and accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior today? Christian, if you're saved, would you like to come forward and thank God for His blessings, to forget about the past? God bless you, sir. Brother Sharp. God speaking to your heart here today. You're living your life on a broken gauge. You don't have to. I've got the only accurate gauge right in my hand right now, this King James Bible, the very words of God. You gauge your life by your feelings. You can gauge your life by your bank account your retirement account. You can gauge your life by your friends, by your family. All of those, when it's all said and done, are just broken gauges. The only thing that will stand the test of time is the Bible, the Word of God. And the Word of God says that we're all going to stand before God one day. If you're not saved, you're going to stand before Him in judgment for your sins. But you don't have to because Jesus Christ was judged for your sins if you'll just receive that payment. God's children will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and will give an account of everything that we've done. Your faith promise card, the amount that you fill out today, the amount or if you participate as a child of God, we're going to stand before the Lord one day and we're going to give an account. All of our excuses, God's going to know everything about our life. 
He's going to know all of our priorities. He's going to know what we spend our money on. He's going to know what we spend our time on. He's going to know everything about our heart. And while the excuse may seem plausible and sound to you right here today, will it hold water with God when He uses this gauge to test our life? The altar's open. If you need to come, don't be ashamed. You come and do business with the Lord. God's working. Will we let Him? Let's all stand. Take a hymnal. Number 315 is our invitation song. Invitation still open. As we sing, we invite you to come and do business with God. Hymn number 315.